taking it back to how do you know what you know? Well, how do you know? Okay. You have to start with something, right? So what we're getting at is this idea between the, the distinction between knowing and believing, this kind of idea of duality, that knowing and believing are somehow in dialectical tension. I don't think that's true. I think you have to believe you know. I don't think you can know you know. I think you can know you believe, but really they're about the same thing. And that might be what you're talking about insofar as the English language. Knowing in English is a very curious word. In other languages, there's there's all these different uh, forms of it. For example, in English, to know how to ride a horse, if I say I know how to ride a horse, what's conveyed could be taken as I know how to physically ride the horse, I've ridden the horse, I, I know this about the horse, I know how it works, or I know the physical mechanics of how horseback riding works. I've never ridden the horse. You know what I mean? That part, the part about whether you know it in the application yourself is unknown. It remains unknown. And uh, we ourselves kind of are left to project whether that is true or not. And we make a lot of assumptions they about. But in other languages, there's a difference between knowing, there's a different word you would use. Both mean knowing, but they mean the context correctly. It's implied in the word. We don't have that. We don't have that luxury. So we can either make up our own language, but then who? how are we going to communicate? We're now becoming trapped in statistic bubble, or now we even have our own language. This is kind of schizophrenia. We have to know, we have to kind of start start with that. Like, what does it mean to know? What am I talking about? Can My wife can knows what it means, what the word brother means, right? She has a brother. She knows what it's like to have a brother, but does she know what it's like to be the brother of, a, of someone else? Hmm. I don't know, but she knows all the stuff about brother, but she doesn't know the thing. And what is the, what is the thing? How do you know you know the thing when you encounter it? You kind of have to be it. We stand before knowing. So until we've kind of internalized and, and become the thing, the knowledge really becomes us as we take it in. Like we, we're left just with speculating. Where do we start with? Well, we know, I, I know it's now. How do I know? Because I could, I could work it out if I had to on the blackboard that it would be impossible for it to any other time. For me, I know I'm me. This is a big, big, big statement, but it's kind of fundamental. I am. Uh, there's this thing. There's me. There's this thing. And there's stuff I'm not. When someone would say, well, how do you know? Well, it's a process. But it's also, it's kind of like the inescapable conclusion, right? And once you can find one thing you know, you know, one thing you can believe, which is about the same thing, now you're ready. Now you've got an anchor. Uh, you can be grounded in reality. You can always go back. You, you can always go back to that. You're never going to fall off down into the abyss of, of confusion again. You never have to start all over again. So how do you know what you know is like so many of the systems of thinking about this thing, they collapse into kind of like an infinite regress where you know this because of this, which, you know, which is a, a cause. And then so now we're back all the way to the beginning of the first. So, you know, I'm fine with that. I can accept that. Some people can't, but then they're going to be trapped in a uh, in a bit of a bubble of, of pick and choose. But that's kind of where, where you're always going to be, too. You're going to really end up saying that I know because I choose to know. And this is maybe is the only choice there is in the world. But I know because because I, I believe that I do. Right. And they say, well, does that mean it? there's no evidence for your belief or whatever? You kind of have to get to the you have to really not kind of you have to get to the place where you say, I don't give a fuck about what you think about my evidence. I'm not on trial to you. You know what I mean? The bad thing is they're going to be able to throw this back at you, but it's not bad because if they understood it and they had good intent anyway, they wouldn't be so aggressive with it. But the reality is that there is no amount of evidence that stands on its own that doesn't have to be interpreted. There is no satisfactory measure that exists beyond your acceptance of that satisfactory measure. Do what thou wilt. It's really very basic like in that in that way. You're going to pick. You're, you're going to, you, the things you think you're going to pick or whatever, that, that is going to be true. I mean, that's going to be what, it's going to be what you want to believe, whether you want to or not. It's, it's, it is. You're going to have, you're going to choose it 
or it's going to choose you. I mean, you're, you're born into it. But the reality is that in the end, there is no external holy grail or golden fleece. You're going to wrap it around yourself. And finally, this is the objective truth. You must be the true thing already to recognize what's true anyway. It comes from you. It is you. Your accepting of it is the beginning and, and most important step. Because then you can start to discern between all these other things, what has value and what doesn't, and what is knowable and what isn't. Do you think that the, the yardstick for knowing that you know something is really always going to be down to the experience you've had of any particular thing. So for me, everything you learn, everything you, everything we do, it's all within the human experience, isn't it? And to me, the human experience is something that's been, you've been given the foundations for a certain path. And I'm talking every person alive is kind of stuck in the human experience that's given to us. And there's no really stepping out of those boundaries, is there at all? No. You're always stuck in that circle of influence, as it were. And then you're also, you talked about objective, but we always come back to this talking about objective and subjective. When we're talking about hoaxes and all this kind of stuff, a lot of that is subjective anyway, isn't it? A lot of it's subjective interpretation. You can never know conclusively anything unless it's in your direct experience in your own life. I see a lot, and this comes back to your protecting people on the super information highway. I always see a lot of people saying, can you make like a, a statement without giving the evidence to back up what you're saying? We're often asked for evidence, right? What's your evidence for this? Okay, well, that's a fair question, right? But it's also just as fair to say it's none of your business. You make a claim about what you, what you believe. Not every presentation is a proposition. Propositions all come in the form of presentations, which is to say that like not everything someone says is what they consciously, purely thought to say robotically, prescripted. Not everything is what they believe, but they don't necessarily know that they don't necessarily believe it either. People don't understand. Do you, do you know how many people even believe that, that it's possible that something they believe isn't correct? They won't even concede that. They won't even concede that it's even possible because it has too many existential questions. The ego has become so psychologically sunburned that it can't even stand anyone's hand near it. You know, it's radiating the sunburned energy that it lashes out immediately anytime anything becomes a threat. And, and it's gotten that way because of the world we live. You know, it's a natural defense mechanism. The Eastern philosophies and a lot of this fucking witchcraft shit tells you that the uh, destruction of the ego is the solution. You know, it, it's some kind of solution. It's going to lead to something good, but that's not true. It's the ego just needs healing and help. You, you have to go uh, embrace it and nurse it back to health. It's damaged right now and it's acting as such. It, but you don't need to just go put it down. It's That would be a terrible thing to do. Go, go shoot it. Go murder a part of yourself. Oh my gosh. That would be an awful thing. So the ego protects us from from challenging our own beliefs, but it's out of control. It's gotten completely out of control. What we have to do is uh, accept that it's not that this is the work only we can do for ourselves, but we can have help along the way. But we're going to come to our own conclusions about things. And what you mean by experience, we aren't different. Our experiences are who we are. But in those experiences is where all our uniqueness lies. It's impossible for you and I to ever have the same experience from that, which we could prove acceptable methodologies, but we could extrapolate from that and will 
all the way back just from that thing, just from its somewhat common sense thing that it's impossible for you and I ever to have the same experience, our fundamental uniqueness and, and what that must mean for the reason we're here, for our creation being deliberate and not accidental in any way, and not, but uh, active and deliberate. So this goes back to the first cause, which I have no problem with, but I had to, it was a long road to get there, which, which is like uh, the language I'll use of, of God, of the creator and of, of one who is personally invested in all things, but who has created everything for a purpose and reason. And it's not some reason to go experience a bunch of randomized nonsense. It's a very important reason. But you and I could never have the same experience because two things cannot occupy the same place at the same time. Two different things. You know what I mean? You and I, are in that way, if we only had one difference, it would make us fundamentally different, wouldn't it? To be the same means to be the same. To be different means to just have one different. To, mean to be the same means everything is the same. But that's impossible. Nothing is all the same. So everything now is unique, isn't it? And everything is having its own experiential existence, but all within one larger existence. These existences, nothing exists outside of existence because there's no such thing as nothing, but there's no non-existence or whatever. There's Where would that even be? By its very definition, it was somewhere it must exist. And where, where can anything exist but existence? We're getting to some big answers for, for very big questions. If you want to just refuse to believe or accept, really, that you do exist, that's that can't be helped. There's some kind of fatalistic error going on in the program, as analogized by the human. There's something going on there that's it's not going to be able to be, it's beyond my ability to, to help. If someone's not willing to, to believe that they can accept something or, or to accept anything because they can't even believe that they exist, even though they necessarily believe that it's possible for them not to exist. They're in just such a state of tragic inconsistency and contradiction that it's too deep for me. You know, you need to call me exorcist or something. When we figure out these massive questions, folks, I, and, and it's going back to, like you said, the experiencer, I can't know what you experience. I can, I can in the sense that you're a feeling being or whatever, but I can have those feelings. But if you don't have them, yeah, I don't know. I'm having them for you, but you might not be having them yourself. I can't know that. I can't know. Otherwise, I'd be you because I'd know every experience you have. And, and we would be fundamentally, again, not different. We'd be same in every way. So we get back to the belief, to the knowing of thyself. You don't know thyself. I am that I am. What's your name? Me. Well, what other people, what do other people call you? Other people call me you. Hey, you. No. No, what do other people call you? What's your name? What do you call yourself? Oh, I call myself uh, I. No, no, no. But when you know, you said, you know what I mean? We we already accept it. I and mean, not everything we already accept is true, but we already accept foundationally this premise. And it's a good place to start. But when it's constantly challenged, your identity is, is reshaping. You know, yourself is being reformed uh, for better or worse all the time. But we have to have a an ability to believe that it's even possible for us to know from the outset. We have to accept that it's possible. Because if it's impossible, then it's all pointless. And there's some things that are, plenty of things that are impossible to know. And starting with, it's impossible to know everything. You'll never know what it's like to, you can never travel the infinite plane. You know what I mean? You'll never know that. You'll never know what it's like to travel the infinite plane in a human lifetime. So there's already limitations. That can be accepted too. What do you know? Well, I know there's limitations. I, I can't do something. I can't burrow under the earth like a worm in the same exact way that it does. There are things we can know in those ways. And starting from there. I thought it was interesting that you mentioned the destruction of the ego not long ago as well. And a lot of these, you say, Eastern philosophies and you know, try and destroy the ego. And so obviously straight away, the name that came up to me was uh, Eckhart Tolle, because he's persistently growing his cult fan base all the time. And his main mantra is that complete silencing of your ego, quietening the thought process in your mind. What are your thoughts on that? The cult of the belief in wishful thinking. It's pernicious in its presentation. It's a religion dressed up as, as self-help psychology. It's utterly vacuous and empty. It's like the inedible shell of the cake or something. You know, it's like, yeah. it seems edible and you could 
certainly probably grind it down with your teeth with a lot of, and, and choke it down. It's non-nutritious. It's way more worth work than it's worth, but it promises everything in a package of focus on the positive, right? But it grazes against some some truth in there. Focusing, you know, trying to not be overwhelmed with, you know, negativity is, is not bad. But these thoughts that we're having, they want you to tell you to silence. This is your soul t- talking to you. You know, it's not some demon. This is your soul, your inner voice, and it'll talk to you. It'll get your attention however it can. Like a, a child who you ignore or you mistreat, it may act up in ways to to get what it needs, which is your attention. It needs to be reintegrated within the psyche because it's been become, become separated by all the ubiquitous malignant messaging of the world, which has put the ego in it, which the ego's job was to protect the inner child, the vulnerable soul from the beginning. But it's so bombarded with rightly so threatening stimuli or rightly interpreted as threatening stimuli that it's gone into hyperdrive trying to become neurotic, trying to defend it. And as a result, the child it's charged with guarding has you know suffered as well. And this guy, this prick is telling you to just uh, hope for the best, focus on the positive. Don't listen to that. All that, all those negative thoughts, all that negative voice in your head. Just ignore it. Just close your eyes. No, 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 no. You need to say objectively to, to that voice without judgment. Is what I mean by objective. Without judgment, but only from a place of love. Is that uh, the prodigal son? You're the prodigal son, and it's the father in, in, in a bit of a reversal of role. You need to say. I'm so sorry. Kind of do the hug from how many science fiction movies where then like the uh, the beings inter, inter- interincorporate again. But it's a process. It's not overnight. If it were overnight, I'd totally be selling that. It's a process. It's a relationship. You're building it again. And it involves a lot of a trust relationship. It has to be reintegrated. And these people who ignore it, they're just locking, telling you to lock the child, throw away the key, telling you to, to self-murder yourself. And, and then in this hope of like some materialistic, and, it, and again, it's all for some materialist. Then you'll all your dreams will come true if only you stop the negativity. Well, the, the inner child needs to tell you about all the shit it's been experiencing. You have to hear it out. It's you. You need to hear it out. You need to hear yourself out. You need to hear these. It's grievances. You can't just say, I'll make it all bad. Pat the head because you don't like seeing him cry. Oh, it'll be fine. Don't talk about that stuff. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And it's, it's too negative. Well, here's the so instead, you bottle it all up on the on the poor, most vulnerable part of yourself. Here again, analogizes the inner child. We have to stop being the abusive parent to ourselves. What a lot of this Eastern shit does, with its uh, emphasis on murdering the ego, is to like tell you that you need that you're you know you need to, that you're the abusive father and you need to kill yourself or something because it can be all good again. It really it, it can be. It'll all be good again. And and then and then you talk about power. You talk about the secret of the universe. You talk about the the warrior on the threshold. My God, you know when this comes to be, when that star man kind of moment takes place, the ET finger and the two fingers touching. You know you, you'll see the the door of the universe open wide. I mean, my gosh, you know nature will unfold the blanket right in front of you. you you'll talk about power. I mean, the mountain will move out of your way, and it won't be just because you thought it. Do my thoughts make things happen? You know, like. Have you ever like, like, maybe I thought this into reality. Why don't you think, okay, think something else into reality. Well, okay, so the the scientific process failed right there because you can't even do it. But once you're into this, I'll just think the mountain away. No, once you're part of the, the whole system again, once you're reintegrated, the mountain will just gladly move out its way for you. We've been closed. We've been blocking this way off for you because we didn't want you crazy ass in here tearing up the house. So come on in now, please. Here, let me roll out the blanket. This is like the chemical wedding, the alchemical wedding. This is all these the, the higher language of, of esotericism when it talks about the you know the merge, the merger and stuff. This is the, the the transcendence, so to speak. And it's right there. And, and, and but back to your question, these people are actively subverting that. Whether on purpose, I don't know, you know, whatever, let's, who cares? Don't even get into that shit. You know what I mean? That's all you need to know is that that what it is doing is subverting, right? If you want to go solve that mystery, like the FBI or something, well, fine, but you're not on the right path. You you just need to to recognize it for what it is, move past it. And then to be able to turn out all these goddamn when they keep chanting in your ear about, oh, all this negativity, don't be so negative. Focus on the positive. You don't even know what positivity and negativity, you don't even know what the difference, you know?
they couldn't even tell you the first thing, the difference between right and wrong or good and bad. But they're so eager to, to try to wishful think, happy thoughts, love and light. It's absurd. It just beggars belief for me that it seems to be growing bigger and bigger and bigger, this, this whole Eckhart Tolle thing. I, I must get offered about five to six videos every day on my YouTube. Every time I put it on, I'm getting offered Eckhart Tolle videos. I think, oh my God. Did you wish for those? You must have wished for them because here they came. Here they came. I, I must have done, must have done. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm bringing them into my reality. <sighs> That's the other thing. It's like about, you know, about knowing or, or something that goes into the infinite regress of like, of backing everything up into causes, which is really materialism in a, in a nutshell. It's like you're refusing to believe that you believe that everything has these causes, but then you refuse to believe that there could be the cause of all causes, the cause without its own cause or something you know the cause in itself somehow that's off the tape so but but that's you know that's naturally where it's going to end up but this is where so much is being challenged about knowing i mean it backs up to that because it's it's easy to to have a foundation in knowing when you can accept that when, when you can back it up to it and accept it because it's true it's really just accepting what's true but it's so when you don't you're kind of in a wash of constant uncertainty then but we're so programmed with the will and stuff that that's very difficult to to reconcile some of this stuff like free free will like like in liberal society liberal american society or western society i suppose economically the the economic model of the world and the the physics model of the world but broken down only to the human element of it says that human actions do not have causes that everything we do is chosen consciously the things have no cause or effect causal effect relationship with each other like everything exists in its own vacuum everything you know every decision Every action has no consequence because a consequence is a cause. It's completely incoherent, you know, but it's clearly, there is some clear relationship that human actions, you know, are based on causes, not all the way back to the big cause, you know, grand cause. Let's move forward from that for a minute, but that like every purchase is is a conscious choice. We're programmed to believe that everything is conscious and, and nothing is caused unconsciously, what might be called randomly or, or you know. But there's no, which is to say in this context, randomly meaning having no real explanation, no satisfactory explanation. Uh, but that's, that's not the case, right? So we live in a world that's presenting us with this absolutely incorrect messaging that's, you know, natural consequence, which it rejects as even, isn't it makes people schizophrenic, you know, act, or at least act like they are. It makes people hold inconsistent and incoherent beliefs that are clearly to their objective reality, which as experienced to them subjectively. So this makes everyone, everything, everyone's fault all the time. This is where this Eckhart Tolle stuff gets into a lot, a lot of like takes root in a lot of these shallow conscious people because they're, you know, terrified to, to consider like, uh, to explore that their, their own, uh, role that they played in damaging other people or, or hurting them or, or any kind of negative thing. Everything they do is positive because the cult of good intentions. It's, it's ridiculous, you know? Your intentions don't matter, really. I mean, they, they certainly don't matter as much as they, people think. What matters is, is what happens, you know? You treat someone like shit with the best intentions. What, what has that done? Like, what, why does the intentionality of it matter at all? The effect is the same as if you had an intended bad, uh, negative effect. So you don't, you don't even know what you're doing, but you're so certain about these other things, but you don't even know what the fuck you're doing. But, but like, this is because, like, you can't, because, because decisions, because there's no causes, decision, what your decisions are based on doesn't exist because decisions don't have causes. Nothing has a cause. It's just cho- con- consciously chosen in the moment as a result of stimuli. 
according to the operative model of the world. This is why we are so able to like foist blame on so easily. But he must have known he did it. He he knowed he did wrong and all this kind of nonsense, right? When when we do it, well, you know, I didn't mean to, but when someone else did it, oh my, of course they did. They're like the devil incarnate. So because you can't, because there's no like cause, you can keep. You can just keep asking, like, like what, what is the conscious decision based on? How does it happen? Because you're saying that it happens randomly, as in there's no explanation. But you're also saying that it can't. So this is the, this is the scientific free will. This is the problem of free will as, as presented modern in modernity, or one of many. But this is really what, what it's really, a really, this is like David's sword stroke to Goliath, this thing. Because they can't answer it. Because it comes back, this is, and this is, circles back to the knowledge thing, it, and to epistemology, it comes back to them saying that the reason they believe this model, it's going to have to be, the reason they believe it is because they want it. Which is fine. They have a right to believe whatever they want. We all do, right? But, but to present it as if it's some kind of carved in the stone fact from Jehovah on Mount Hot, completely unchallengeable. How much uh, damage has this done to the ability to even begin to think, to know something in the first place? It's... No one can challenge, no, no one is able to challenge like the idea of knowing at all. How do you know, how well, how do you know this? How do you know this is true? How do you know this is true? How do you trust that source? Why do you trust this one? It's really getting into pick and choose. And it's really getting into why does this number important this day, but not this day? You know, why is 33? Why is numerology adding all the numbers together to get fucking whatever, you know, to get 16, which becomes seven, but 33 never becomes six or at least not consistently. Does it? There's no operating. We're inconsistent in our operation. We don't necessarily have to be consistent because if it operates for us in the way that's good for us, terrific. You know that inconsistency becomes consistent, becomes our own consistency, and that's fine. You know we're doing we're doing well. It's healthy. But when we're presenting it dogmatically, being presented to us us dogmatically, it becomes this kind of theory of knowledge, this epistemology in itself, which has no defensible position from which to stand any better than the position of I, because I say so, but it's zealots can be very difficult to overcome, especially when you're in a kind of a psychologically weakened state. About 2 million examples were flying in my thoughts. Then when you were just saying that things were given all the time that are really, well, essentially just a nonsense, really. I suppose I could take it at the example of the sun. We all know it's objectively there, don't we? It's, we all know it's in there in the sky but we're told it's a ball of gas. We're told it's run on nuclear fusion. We're told all these things. And it's like that <laughs> you you never, you know, you, you can know what you can know about the sun, as in what you can see with your own eyes. You can feel the warmth from it. But then you have these lawyers telling you that they know what everything is and how it works. They're priests, you know, they have a divine lifeline to the truth. Yeah. But they never explain how, except some, it'll break down to some eugenics thing, through birth through birthright or magic blood. It, that's how it'll, it, it's just, again, a bunch of nonsense. And it takes forever to, if you can even get them to confess how it is they got to where they are, how what an exercise that is. And what, what did you even return out of? You spend a lot of time to figure out that the person doesn't know why they think they know what they know. They can't even figure out why they applied this metric to this, this day, but not the next day. They don't have to know that. You know, I'm not saying that everyone should have to, like, should have an autistic kind of approach to their every action, because that'll lead to some kind of super conscious self of micromanagement and hyper self-awareness that's profoundly unhealthy. But what I'm saying is if you do want to pursue, you know, your kind of own figuring out where you're 
your own kind of thinking systems derive from and be more consistent with your thoughts and actions and stuff because you're finding that they're not leading to a positive and healthy movement, then start by buttoning up the consistencies. But if it's already working for you, fine. Oh my gosh, you're never going to be like the, the goal isn't to be like the perfect logical machine because logic again, because it goes back to logic, which is a, another thing that's presented as if it's, as if it's some kind of like uh, magic, magic, uh, deus ex machina, machina or something, right? Logic. Oh, well, we use logic. Well, there's a million kinds of logic. Well, maybe not a million, but there's multiple kinds of logic in the first place. But just the statement, this talismanic statement, like, you know, logic, uh, I use logic. Or, oh, well, fuck. You know, it presents this kind of, uh, it's like the witch doctor's out, and he's kind of scared the tribesmen. The magic word of logic. But, you know, what makes your lo- logic, is just, uh, it's just a tool, too. And it's not any, really, you're going to have to choose to accept that the process of logic works. You're going to have to choose, you're going to have to accept things somewhere along the path, right? It is, otherwise, it's going to be a, uh, you're just going to believe in the authority of logic without even knowing what logic is or what it means. Or that it's not foolproof. It's not a foolproof system at all. You can just, uh, logic is maybe even the best example, the ability to, through um, the manipulation of words and certain syntaxes, to be able to generate, quote unquote, true statements that are objectively wrong. This is a failure of, of several logical systems, but all of them can suffer from it because the variables, what, what gets plugged into the, the, the psychic logic machine is language again. And language is symbolic. Language is not, all language is symbolic, and, which means it all requires explanation and interpretation. Um, it's to, to have some you know, meaning. It, it, it requires a, an operating definitions. So there and again, you get, there's no, nothing, none of, the, none of this stuff is settled. None of it. And logic is used just as much as the, to figure of, of a tool to like dig a garden as it is to, as a tool to dig a grave. It's not going to be just, just relying on that itself is, is it, again, in it, right? It, um, the belief in logical fallacies is, uh, or the belief that a logical, a logical fallacy as like some kind of prima facie fault is, or the belief in the, the prima facie like ability of logical fallacies to rule out whatever is just the, is itself appeal to authority. Appeal to authority, citing the logical fallacy of appeal to authority is an appeal to authority. It's the appeal to the authority of the logical fallacy being an authority. And so it's not this self-defining perfection system, but it's very useful. Use it judiciously. Don't just depend on it. Because the first thing, most important thing we should be able to derive logically is that it's illogical to apply logic to human behavior and actions. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's illogical to consider that people will act logically ever. No, they don't do that. But we still do it. No, sometimes, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know. No, no, not, not consistently, nor do they want to. It's all based on feeding most of the time for most people, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's based on something, you know, it's based on something, but it's not, you know, you try to get people to explain, to break down why they think, why they did something. Good luck. Do you remember that John posted a video, John LeBon uh, posted a video in, I think it was him in his Discord server about the, I can't remember if it was a TED Talk, but it was the one with Mark Sargent. Uh, I think it was a TED Talk. It had a, I think an organizational psychologist on there and he's going to interview Mark Sargent. If it wasn't TED Talk, it was something like, and it was about psychological, I think it was about cognitive biases, psychological processes. And at the beginning of the presentation, I might butcher this, so I have the best intention here, but Bear with me if it's not perfect. But at the beginning of it, he said, he started with a, with a demonstration. He said, I'm going to present a series of numbers. He said, everyone in the audience, raise your hand. I'm going to present a series of numbers. And whenever, then it's based on, I'm doing this based on a, a pattern system that I've come up with already. I already have it. And I'm going to present these numbers. I'm going to present them three or three, you know, images at a time, one image at a time, three numbers. When you think you have figured out the pattern, lower your hand. Did you see this video? I didn't, no. 
I didn't see that. That's quite interesting. So he, so here we are, and he goes. Uh, so he presents the numbers. Let's say it's seven, nine, eleven. Okay. <laughs> then he goes fifteen, seventeen, nineteen, and then some hands go down. Right before he presents the first one, you know, some hands go down. After he presents the first one, before the second, some hands go down. So these some people have, are sure they know. They know what the pattern is. They think they know what the pattern he's using is. Next slide goes up. What did I say? It's uh, fifteen, seventeen, nineteen. More hands go down. Next pattern goes up. It's like uh, twenty-three, twenty-five, twenty-seven. Basically. By this point, I think all the hands had gone down. And from the beginning of this video, I hate being in party to any of this kind of stuff. Right? When this kind of stuff in college or something like that, I, I always hated being in these kind of environments because I'm not invested in being right or trying to figure out what this guy's thinking. I don't care. So I'm not even trying to figure out what he's thinking because I know, but because I know that I can't know. Right. So I'm visualizing myself in the audience with my hands still up. Right. And I'm trying to ask myself whether I would have lowered my hand after the first one, after the second one, you know, or would I still keep having my hand up? Because I know I don't know, but I also know that I don't want to feel like everybody in the audience thinks I'm a moron, <laughs> you know. And, and I also know that they might know, you know, they might all be right and I might be wrong. I might just be the only person who doesn't know. So I know all these things going in. So let's, here we go again. He's presented that. Now all the hands are down, except possibly mine, right? Because I still don't fucking know. <laughs> but I'm not in the audience. So now let's move to the next slide. The number is 35, 37, 39. So it's a jump, right? The pattern, the predicted pattern has shifted completely. Well, all the people probably so far have now been wrong. If they're thinking that it's some kind of, he said, I think you're thinking of that it's a pattern, odd numbers, three series of odd numbers, skipping the fourth number in favor the fifth, continuing the pattern, right? So then he presents the next slide and it's, here we go. Uh, the numbers are like, 4,051, 4,063, or 5,079. So he says, the pattern is, the system I'm operating off of is three numbers, the, the last digit always being larger than the one preceding it. Any, any three series of numbers, the last digit always being larger than the one preceding it. That is my pattern. I just happened to chose these odd numbers as the end. They could have been even though, <laughs> couldn't they? But I just presented them as this way. Now, Holy fuck, right? This is a, a fundamental demonstration of how it's so easy to think you know. And even when it's obvious, because those people weren't really wrong. They were right about the pattern they'd predicted. What the, the hang-up was is that they didn't spend enough time thinking about that this was his pattern that he's chosen. Not that they're not impressing what they believe it is onto him. He's putting it out there on them. They think they've figured it out. They've not given a single thought to the idea that it can't be figured. It can't even be known because who even knows the truth in the first place about the thing? About the patterns, about what it is anyway. He might have just made it all up in the end. He didn't go into all that stuff, but out that here at the end. And and then here I am still with my fucking, you know, because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. The social shame, this, to get at this, it's, some, it, it's hard to be the person who knows you don't know. It's hard to face that social pressure, especially in, a, in the environment where, like, some amount of ridicule will take place. These people, it seems so obvious. Why would I have my hand up still? Am I troll? Or am I just fucking retarded? Or am I just honest? Am, do I just know that I can? So even though I might have pulled my hand down because I don't, I'm not trying to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, but in front of a bunch of people I couldn't care less about, in my heart, my hand was still been up. And it always would have been. And it still is. Because I still don't know, even if he was telling me. But I'll accept that he was. But I know ultimately that I won't. So you have to know thyself. So it's just so much information seems to lead to one thing. And it does. The bizarre thing is that it does. But it also, that you don't always, don't have the whole picture. and You don't know what the end is. You're still on the highway. You don't even have them, but the map's been completely confused for the terrain. You don't even know where you're going. You don't even know what it looks like. But you have, you can accept that you don't know. But with those things, it becomes like, 
don't oh sorry but the picture is like we don't have the whole picture so without having it we really don't know imagine some puzzle has it could be a jigsaw puzzle the, the box is just blank and the uh the images on the, on the jigsaws are they're like some kind of you know optic coating that can just shift and play all kinds of games and games of light and reflections and you know what are you doing you can't even figure out what the corners are or, or if there are any corners you don't even know you don't even know if there are any corner pieces or do you have the pieces but you think that you you, you know you know what puzzles are and you know that you have to start with the edges or something so you apply that you you, imp- you impose them onto them and you assume it's going to be right but within those errors make a lot of we behave with a lot of dogmatism that's really counterproductive and hostile ultimately unloving it's we try to impress onto these other things that we know what's best for the pattern we don't even know what the we don't even know what the pattern is but we know what's best for it because we know it's the thing we don't we don't we don't we don't we don't know any of it well i think that's over two hours you've done Noris, and i think a good way to end the show mate so i'm gonna say uh, thank you very much thanks for joining me on project monolith episode seven mate oh it's been a, a pleasure and thank you thank you very much for for letting me come on here it's been great
I'm a hoax.